0: Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? Jacob? Who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it Jesus said to her everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty the water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life the woman said to him sir give me this water So that i may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water jesus said to her go call your husband and come back the woman answered him i have no husband jesus said to her you are right in saying i have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband what you have said is true the woman said to him sir i see that you are a prophet our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you this is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God
1: very long (laughs) uh, the story goes on to verse 42 we cut it short there it's important I think that we hear the story of this no-name woman she's not given a name on this women's history month where we celebrate the contributions that women have made to our lives, our country, and our world. This no-name woman who encountered the master at this well becomes one of the first evangelists in a place where you wouldn't expect Jesus to go fishing and evangelizing in Samaria. Samaria. Spirit of living God, fall fresh now on this pastor and on these, your blood bought children who watch live stream and are in this place we have dedicated to you. We continue this week our series on Inside Out. And this is another tough one because during this Lenten season, we want to take a deep dive inside. And look spiritually at our relationship with God. Is our relationship where we and God are on one accord to where we are obeying God's will for our lives. And then we take that spirit-filled information and we live it out in a world that's desperate to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. In this text today, we read about an encounter that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at a well. This encounter, my brothers and sisters, is significant, not only because it shows Jesus' compassion and love for all people, but also because it provides insight into why Jesus said he must go through Samaria. Samaria was a region in ancient Israel that was populated by people of mixed ancestry. After the Babylonian captivity, when a woman, an Israelite, married a non-Israelite man, they called that child a mixed race, a Samaritan. They were not liked very well by the Israelites who considered them to be unclean and unworthy of any association with. But Jesus knew that his mission was to reach out to all people, regardless of their social status, regardless of their ethnicity or their background. By going through Samaria, Jesus was breaking down the cultural barrier that exists between Jews and Samaritans. He was showing that God's love and grace extended to all people and that salvation was not limited to one group or one nation. Jesus' encounter with this Samaritan woman was a powerful demonstration of Jesus' ministry. At the time, women were not considered equal to men. Yet Jesus engaged her in conversation and offered her living water this woman who went to the well at the heat of the day. And I believe that because most people didn't go to the well in the heat of the day. Most folk went early in the morning or late in the afternoon when it was cool. I believe that this woman went to that well in the heat of the day because she did not want the whispers of her fellow citizens talking about her and saying who she was and who she was not. I believe that she went to the well at the heat of the day because she wanted to be alone. And it's at times when we think we are alone that I've discovered we encounter Jesus in powerful new ways. She goes to that well and Jesus offers her eternal life. Jesus' statement was, I must go through Samaria. It was not a coincidence or a random decision. It was a deliberate act of compassion and love as he sought to reach out to those who were marginalized and shunned by society. Samaria was, the, was in the northern part of Israel, sandwiched between Judea and Galilee. Politically, Samaria was not a distinct region, but its culture and religion was definitely distinct from the Israelites of Judea. Their distinction was the result of the northern kingdom of Israel being led at the time by Jeroboam many years prior, who established a counterfeit religion with its own place of worship to counter Rehoboam's control. Of the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, eventually, the Samaritans were exposed to the cult god Baal, and that led them, many think, to be conquered by the Assyrians. They scattered, the Assyrians were smart, they scattered the middle and upper class throughout the conquered nation, replaced the dispersed Israelites with unbelievers from other parts of the country and lands. This new citizen, these new citizens of Samaria then intermarried with the remaining women to create what the Israelites termed half-breeds. The Israelites hated the Samaritans so much so that when they returned from exile 70 years after being in exile in Babylon, the Samaritans offered to help them rebuild the temple and the Israelites refused the Samaritans' help. So the Samaritans constructed their own rival temple on Mount Garrison. There they worship what they thought was the one true and living God with, a, with mixed religion and monotheism and idolatry. The relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans could at best be described as strange. The Israelites would often avoid Samaria altogether, even though it would have been quicker to go through Samaria. They would go east across the Jordan River, head north on the south, bypassing Samaria, and then cross the River Jordan again when they neared their destination. Jesus knew the friction that existed between these two cultures. When he arrived at the well at Sitkar, Jacob's well, he understood very well that Jews and Samaritans had no dealings. And that's where I want to put my spiritual pen this morning, right there. And I want to focus on this observation Jesus had to go through Samaria, not around it, not above it, but through Samaria. The text says, and he must needs go through Samaria. The word must means necessity, compulsion, destiny. But what was the compulsion? What was the destiny? We know that Jesus left Judea out of necessity for his cousin John the Baptist's sake. You know, the crowds were leaving John and coming to Jesus' people to be baptized. And the religionists were so using that fact to break down, to, walk, to break up what was the movement, the revival that, has, that was started with John. They used that fact to downgrade John's ministry. And if you want more about it, read John 3, to 26. Jesus did not want to create a competitive scene and damage John's ministry. So he left the area and headed for Galilee. But if he didn't want to create trouble, if he didn't want to cause problems, why did he choose to go through Samaria? That seemed to be the last place that if you don't want to cause problems and bring attention to yourself, why would he go to Samaria of all places? Why not cross the Jordan and go around Samaria like a good Jew would do? That's what most Israelites did. And that's what most good Christians do today. I've been in places where I've crossed the street to avoid a homeless person. I've been in places where I had to move my family out of East St. Louis and move them to a surrounding area. We move to a different seat sometimes, even in the worship space, to avoid those who like to talk during the service and spiritually are not where we are. The point is that Like the Israelites, we don't like to expose ourselves to undesirables. We prefer not to put ourselves out so we don't go through Samaria. Samaria is the place that reminds us of everything rebellious, of everything carnal, of everything that's unholy, of everything that makes us uncomfortable. It could be the low-income area blooming to normal that we avoid it could be an abandoned building where we suspect homeless people are making their shelter it could be the home in our neighborhood where an unwed mother lives with several little children wherever your Samaria is remember Jesus went through Samaria he didn't go around it he didn't avoid it he went through Samaria When was the last time, my brothers and sisters, you decided to fulfill your destiny and go through Samaria? You do know that our destiny is to witness about the saving power of Jesus Christ. The church exists to evangelize those who are on the margins, those who don't know who Jesus is, those who our testimony could make a difference in their lives and they could emerge being the creatures that God created them to be. Because if we know him, then we've got to tell people about him. But you can't tell your story in Judea or Galilee. You have to tell it in Samaria. Judea and Galilee represents the church. What good is it telling the story of of our conversion to church folk who already converted and dedicated to Jesus? We have to tell it in Samaria. Jesus knew he had to go through Samaria. He had to go to set the record straight. He had to put an end to the separation between Judea and Samaria, between Mount Garrison and Jerusalem. He had to let the world know that soon and very soon, neither Mount Garrison or Jerusalem would offer Any access to the heavenly father the truth was that both of these temples would soon be destroyed and replaced with another means of gaining access to god jesus told this unnamed woman at the well woman believe me the hour is coming when ye shall neither worship on this mountain nor in jerusalem that's because that honor would soon be bestowed upon him. Soon, no one would come to the Father except through Jesus. And I want you to know that during this Women's History Month, this woman at the well became the catalyst for the spread of the Jesus movement and fame throughout Samaria. She became Jesus' chief missional strategist to spread the good news. You know the story. She ran into town and told everyone, come see a man who told me all about myself. Going through Samaria became her quest in life. Not because she lived there, but because she had a story to tell, a testimony to share, a savior to expose to the known world. The Israelites later accused Jesus of being a Samaritan because he spent so much time converting Samaritans to the love of his father. When was the last time You were accused of being a Samaritan. Have you been reaching out to the Samaritans in your neighborhood? Or are you doing like I did a few times, crossing over to the other side to avoid them? It's the joy of our salvation so great that we cannot help but to tell everyone, especially in Samaria, the good news of how Jesus entered into my life, and I've never been the same ever since. The good news that I could venture outside of my safe surroundings and venture into unknown places because God is calling me upward and higher. There's another interesting angle to the story, though, of this woman at the world. There were two kinds of wells in biblical times. There, there was what they call a bird well, an artificially constructed hollow manual well that naturally water came through up from a spring underground. And then there was labor, they called it, a man-made cistern that stored rainwater. The well at Sychar was Jacob's well, a spring-fed well about 23 meters or 75 foot deep, two and a half meters wide or a little over eight foot in diameter. Genesis, Genesis 26 says that Jews referred to the spring-fed well as living water because the well of living water didn't rely on the weather for its sustenance. It continuously replenished itself from the underground spring that God had provided. The Samaritan woman came to Jacob's well to get some living water. She didn't want the stagnant water that so often lay in the cisterns for days after it rained in the front of her house. She wanted living water, water that had life in it, water that was pure, water that would do her no harm and cause her no ill will. Jesus knew that was why she was at Jacob's well. And that's why he said, if you knew the gift of God and whom it is that said, give thee, give me a drink, you would have asked me or asked him to give you living water. And then Jesus clarified his statement saying, who Soever drinks of this water in this living well, they will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never thirst again. But the water that I give them shall be in them a well of water, well springing up into everlasting life. Now, I understand more clearly why Jesus referred to himself as living water to this woman at the well. Jesus always becomes what his prospects need because he is the continuous source of God's supply. He does that for me and he does that for you. Sometimes he's living water and sometimes He's a doctor in a sick room. Sometimes he's the one we pray to instead of a lawyer in a courtroom. Sometimes he's the bread of life in a starving land or a bridge over troubled water. But there's another observation. Wells in the desert were and are a valuable commodity. Every house had its own cistern, but no one would drink, would think of withholding water from a neighborhood that needed it. There were wells built on the outskirts of town to provide water for the many caravans of people who traveled through their land. Water was freely shared in those days. Do you see my point now, brothers and sisters? Shouldn't we then? Be sharing our living water freely if the Israelites of old understood the importance of giving folks water in a dry land shouldn't we who have the living water who have King Jesus on our side shouldn't we be spreading this living water freely? What good is it to seal a fountain in a thirsty land? We need to take our living water into Samaria. The Israelites ignored the spiritual needs of this woman because she was a Samaritan. The disciples ignored her because she was a woman. But Jesus sees the worth in every living soul. The story is told, my brothers and sisters, of, of the prime minister of France who summoned a brilliant young surgeon to perform a very serious operation on him. Before the surgery began, he told the surgeon, now, I don't want you to treat me the same way you treat those people down in the poor, miserable neighborhoods, the wretched folk that you are used to serving in your charity hospital. The surgeon replied sir every one of those miserable wretches as you call them is a prime minister in my eyes God's field of harvest is ripe but the laborers are few could it just be we're too choosy about the fruit we pick there isn't a soul on earth that deserves any less than our best attempt to make it what God intended for that soul to be. The whole of our humanity is our field of service. When we're on our way to church, to a church event, to a meal, to Bible study, or worship, invite a Samaritan to come along with you. There are people living all around us who were probably not in the neighborhood a week They weren't there a few days before they got to know the local grocer or the hairdresser or the clerk at Walmart, the gas station attendant, or even a politician. How long must it take for them to meet us, Christ's representatives, and become acquainted with his living water through us? We have a message to take to Samaria, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That Jesus, my brothers and sisters, is truly the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the living one. That Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We have to go through Samaria, my brothers and sisters, so that everyone has the same opportunity to repent and confess of their sins, so that everyone has the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ, so that everyone has the same opportunity to ask for forgiveness, so that everyone has the same opportunity to ask for grace and mercy from Jesus Christ, so that everyone has the same opportunity to humble themselves And join us proclaiming, come and see a man who told me all about myself. As followers of Jesus Christ, we too, my friends, are called to break down the barriers that separate us from others. We are called to love our neighbors as God loves us and show companion to those who are hurting In this world. Friends, God calls us to not talk about it, but be about it. It's uncomfortable leaving your comfortable space and headed to Samaria. It was uncomfortable for me to become the first African-American pastor of Calvary. But if I had not come, I wouldn't experience the love of God in all of you. And I wouldn't experience the acceptance that you have poured out to me. And I wouldn't have been able to take that love and support and acceptance out to a world that needs to know that there are people who care about them. This world has not gone to Hades in a handbasket. There are saints. There are saints that are waiting with outstretched arms to say, welcome, my brother. Welcome, my sister. Spirit of the living God, thank you so much for the opportunity that you provide us to minister in places that we wouldn't go without your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you allow us to be your hands and feet, in a world that desperately need to know that you have not abandoned them, you have not left them alone, but whatever they're going through at this moment, you're going through it with them. My God, my God, my God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to stir up in me and stir up in others the need to be spreaders and evangelists of your gospel. In my brother Jesus' name we pray, amen.